and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us, everybody. It is October 2019. I can't believe it. Hasn't it gone quick? I know I sound like a bit of an old biddy saying that, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say an old biddy, but yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just uh, madness, isn't it? So we're in the final quarter of the year, so that's really important Going financially. So fast, isn't it, as well? I think this, yeah, yeah. flying, isn't it? September's yeah. flown. Well, Michael, not to, you know, freak you out or anything, but there's only two more Horton Hangout podcasts from us for the rest of the year that we're going to deliver. We also have um, two fantastic guests lined up that you're going to hear from uh, before the year's out, shall I say? I'm going to say years out there, rather than years out. rather than Christmas. Oh, <laughs> you so. <laughs> before the year is out, we have two very exciting guests with very different experiences and lots of top tips to share with you. But for now, it's our regular hangout podcast. So we've got some great questions as usual. And um, people have been sending questions over by Instagram as well. So whatever suits you, as long as we get it. That's great. Just send your questions over because we really are here to answer them and help you. So our questions today are on finance, um, having a finance facility in the practice from a practice who has never had it, Mm. a private practice that's never had it. We have also got a question on salary bandings. And before you tune off, um, this is from a different angle and it's really quite good. So it's just about um, the receptionist staff, how to do salary banding for them. Cause I know we've talked a lot about it for nurses. So, um, you know, this is about the long-term front desk team members. So that's quite interesting angle. This practice wants some support with. Mm. We've had a question from a dental nurse who is applying for a role in community and what hints and tips do we have so we'll go through those as well so let's just as always get started jump right in with the first question so we have never had a finance facility in our practice it is something that's never been recommended to us however i really feel as the practice manager that we are losing patients we have a treatment coordinator she's been working with us for many years and we're about to bring in a second person into the role and in a recent meeting my treatment coordinator and I have you know we are certain that we are losing patients for not having a finance facility and this is contributing to a lower than ideal conversion rate what is your advice and what do you recommend so I think the great thing is you're looking at your figures here just picking that out so that's really good and you're looking at your figures and you're working things out and you're obviously not happy with your conversion rate Now, Michael and I have both worked with finance and I'm sure we'll both share our our stories with you now. But in summary, it is something definitely, yes, that we recommend. And obviously you can have free, free, um, interest free finance and you can have low cost finance. And in my experience, what we used was both. And the system for the patient was it's all about their monthly budget. So if their monthly budget, it did work out that that could go on 10 or 12 months interest free, then that's great for them. However, we would very much, you know, we didn't want patients to stretch themselves. So if it just meant, you know, a 50 pound saving per month and they could put something over two years on low cost finance, then actually that's better for the patient. And I think you really, the key thing here is look at your conversion rates and you are. And if you're offering treatments such as, you know, uh, orthodontics, for example, without a doubt, that patient base will need finance because it's either parents paying for children 
or it's the younger people that don't have as much uh, cash because they're already highly committed to the mortgage, to the car, to the bed, let's say, because I know Michael and I have both got a bed on finance. <laughs> you know, all of these things. Sorry, Mike, <laughs> share your personal information. That's okay, darling. Well, we both have, haven't we? We both wanted, you know... In, it just so happened around similar times, wasn't it? And we hadn't even told each other. Only when you told me that I was like, oh, I've just done that. I've just got a bed <laughs> interest-free finance as well. Because it just supports your purchasing decision. And I think that's what you've got to look at. Who are your patient base? Now, I totally appreciate that with implant dentistry, implant dentistry is different. The patients are different. And they don't usually want interest-free finance. We have had patients that have um, wanted interest-free finance and they've wanted it for a huge sum of money. And I'm talking, one was 16,000 pounds over 12 months interest-free. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was it allowed the patient to proceed quicker with treatment because their money was tied up. So it wasn't that they didn't have the cash, it was tied up and to get it out of an account would have taken a period of time. And they knew that if they just processed mm -hmm. this, it would go through and they could start treatment within two weeks. So, you know, that that's always something that's really, you know, fantastic. And I say two weeks now because that's now back then you didn't have that calling off period, but we'd still wait till the money was definitely in the bank anyway. So finance definitely works and it's something that we definitely recommend. And um, Michael, you put a link out on our Facebook page, didn't you, the other week um, about Medenta's finance and then. Yeah, Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, I think one of the key things that I think needs to come out straight away is that in our days in practice and, you know, and I only left practice, you know, just, you know, about two and a half years ago now, that actually things have drastically changed in that market and it has become very um, competitive. Mm. And one of the things that Medenta have done, because for those people that perhaps don't know this, actually Wesleyan uh, took over Medenta and they also took over Practice Plan. So they've obviously worked in this area and they've obviously got, you know, a, a good opportunity here and they've recognised this, that they, have, they can do different rates. And when I was in practice, you know, 12 months interest free, you'd be looking at, at between about 85 to 9.1% along those lines, mm. you can get 12 months interest free now at Medenta at 5.27%. Mm. You can get six months interest free at 3.49%. Mm. So that is a massive difference to, you know, where things, <clears throat> excuse me, have been. Yeah. And you know, it's a, and I feel it's an opportunity to you. And one of the things that, worries me in practices sometimes is that you are doing finance in your practice but what you're doing is you're setting up a direct debit link where a patient pays you a set amount every month for treatment all I want to say to you is is that if it's been successful for you then that's fantastic and we always say don't change things that are successful however I always worry about the risk mm. and with things like Brexit looming large, it always worries me where the risk is on the heart, on the side of the practice rather than somebody else. And for me, if you've got somebody that's taken out an interest-free finance agreement and it's not with yourselves, it's with somebody else, it also means that that money is released to you to cover the costs associated with that treatment. 
and that's you know all of the running expenses including the surgery and the lab bills and the staff wages and all of those things when you are allowing patients to pay a set amount every single month on direct debit it's a cycle isn't it and actually <clears throat> you might be very busy and you might be being might be being very successful however um, you might not be profitable so therefore there might be inconsistencies in your cash flow and cash flow is king isn't it mm -hmm. at the end of the day so the reason why I would recommend interest-free finance is because it is risk-free and the longer you do finance and I think you've alerted very well to the implant cases and I would totally agree with you when we did implants we were definitely using the interest-bearing credit at the dental finance is 7.9% I believe and you know, the, the, the interesting part here is, is that obviously in that arrangement, the practice is charged a subsidiary rate. And then, of course, the patient is charged as well. So actually, you don't end up paying all that 7.9% as a practice owner, do you? So that's slightly different as well. So the thing about that is, is that it allows you to obviously increase um, how longer patient wants to have finance over and what's interesting about the interest bearing credit is is that it is a fixed rate and it is fixed at that term and therefore if patients are granted that amount for five years at 7.9 percent it's never going to alter so that's always um, a great product to have as well and, and works really well but then the risk is on on the side of who you borrowed the money off, not actually the practice itself. I think, do people worry sometimes when um, think treatment plans change? Um, I hear this a lot with interest, uh, with, with finance loans. People worry that their treatment plans aren't right. And for me, again, that's another concern that actually, if you're going to do a finance for a patient, you've got to be clear what it is for. You've also got to be clear that if there is any opportunity for changes in the treatment plan, that you need to be very upfront. And I think this becomes a treatment coordination area, doesn't it, Laura? Um, and <clears throat> dentists being very clear with the treatment plans to say that there are, there are a couple of things in your treatment plan that could go one way and they could go another. So you do have to plan for those in advance. What you can't do is renegotiate with a patient, you know, a year and a half into a treatment plan I don't think that's fair but what you do need to do is be honest with patients mm. what we used to do we used to get a lot of patients who were so heavily restored and um you know the mouth was in, in in such a bad way and we're talking like rehab cases so for those patients that were then looking at using finance we'd be really clear that actually mm. because until we take you know remove the dentist removes the failing restorations and actually can see what's going on underneath there um that that element you know we can't put that on interest-free finance and we don't want to do finance until that part has been completed so that part you're going to have to pay cash for because it's not until that part that we're then going to really have the finalized treatment plan because I was, it, we'll give you a rough idea but it's a shot in the dark and it's not you can't put that on finance it's not like buying no. a bed is it that's the definite no. price so it, yeah again it does come into that treatment coordination but and I did a lot of it in my practice and for uh, treatments that for me were unexpected so especially we're, look, we're in RCT season as far as I'm concerned and you know a lot of interest-free finance loans at this time of year were for root canal therapy 
and for crowns because they were unexpected. The patients weren't thinking, oh, I need to have this. It's suddenly an £850 treatment yeah. plan. And therefore, people haven't got that available in their bank account to go, yeah, yeah, I'll save the tooth, I'll give you £850. They haven't got it. So if you haven't got an opportunity to spread the cost of treatment, then patients might pick an alternative solution. Mm. And that may be, you know, doing a dental extraction. And I think that's a shame. Yeah. Because, you know, if you can give p- people the choice of, you know, we've got spreading the cost options, we've got save options, would you like to know more about those? And then you can start to talk through, you know, actually over 12 months interest-free finance, you're looking at, you know, a payment of £75 a month. How would that feel? Then somebody might go, do you know what? I will save the two, £75 a month I can budget for. Exactly. Therefore, people go ahead with actually saving the tooth. And for me, as you know, a GDC registered nurse as well, we're all about saving teeth, aren't we? You know, we both are. And you know, if that's an option that we can allow patients to have because you've got a product available for them to do that, then that is definitely a win-win. If you haven't got it, you are asking the patient to go out and try and find a solution. Mm. And they're more, less likely to do that absolutely yeah absolutely paperwork is a really big thing i think people worry about paperwork with loans as well i want to reassure people as well that what you need to do is when you're looking for somebody i know we've mentioned medenta this morning but there are other people that do finance naturally like in every sector there's different people what you've got to find is you know actually the products that work for you for the rate that they work at and secondly what you've got to do is you've got to go through the expected paperwork yeah I happen to know that, you know, Medenta's paperwork is very easy to do with the patient. And that's also a win-win for me. Because if you've got receptionists that or treatment coordinators that are stressed out filling the paperwork, that's another reason why your team won't offer it. Because they're like, I don't want to do the paperwork. I don't understand it. I don't understand how to do the calculation. I don't feel confident. So I won't mention it. Yeah, I remember. I don't know if you ever had this, Mike, when it wasn't online and the pay and I know some oh, yeah. don't provide it online and the paperwork, it was like, you know, like those scrolls that you roll out. It was, it was a booklet, wasn't it? Oh my God. It was, it was such a headache. It was. And then you would ask somebody a question, wouldn't you? And you'd go, you're definitely not going to qualify for it. You yeah. just, <laughs> and you're like, okay, we'll just do the rest of the questions. I'll be thinking yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get it anyway. I think another thing people used to always uh, ask was, um, oh, I'm going to swap companies because our patients um, get declined all the time with the one we're currently using. Well, that's nothing to do with the company. That's to do with their credit check. And again, it's treatment coordination, making sure that before you start, you know, when, you, when you're explaining the finance to let them know, it is a finance company. It's not the practice that's providing this. Mm. It will be a credit check, which says to every single patient, if you're not sure, do cl- uh, check your credit score. I mean, it's free now to check your credit score. So, so you know, it's not an issue. They've got no. to be on the lecturer role. If they're not in the lecturer role, they're not going to get credit. It's that simple. So, you know, it's important things to get people to do before they put it 
uh, through. Absolutely. I want to give one last tip. For me, my success rate with this was doing it with the patient. Absolutely. So yeah. actually asking the patient to have the, the things that they required, you know, proof of identity and, you know, the, the, the right bits and pieces to go with the form. And therefore, if it was declined, I would say, um, well, the, you know, the solution that we've looked at for full finance, unfortunately, has been declined. So we need to start looking at other solutions. Let's have a chat about that now. Because otherwise, if the patient's doing that at home and they get declined. Yeah. Well, then you've got to have an awkward phone call. Mm. At least they're in front of you and you've got them in the room and you've built a fantastic relationship with them. It makes it a lot easier. And I have had patients that have cried because they've been declined. Oh, yeah, they're embarrassed. I'm so Nobody wants to feel like they can't have, you know, an interest-free finance loan. I mean, it's like, you know... Yeah, it's an it's an awful um, situation, isn't it? But again, the verbal skills need to be good around this area. But overall, should you have it in the practice? Yes, yes, yes. And it's a bit like American Express. Should you be doing that as well? Yes, yes, yes. Mm, absolutely. So get it in your practice. And just remember, it's not just for the big treatments. It's for the everyday. And, and I know it's something Michael and I say all the time. You know, if you went home today and, you know, you, you suddenly needed two new tyres and your washing machine had exploded, you know, have you got the money for that? And it's the same as a patient, just like Michael said, they come in with pain and they need RCT inlay on late, RCT crown. Have they got the money for that? How yeah. much actually is that in your practice? Be realistic. If it's £1,200, £800, just go around the team and just say, who would be able to pay this right now? This unexpected cost. The answer is, Probably no one. And also, just want to go the reverse of that. You said to me, what well, you know, I've got interest free on a bed. Actually, I can afford the bed. Yeah, but I just if don't want to have interest free finance is cash flow. Yeah, I don't want because to I like to keep out. the cash in my bank. And yeah. for me, I budget monthly. So it's easier for me to go, right, can I afford that as a monthly budget? Yes, I can. And therefore, I earn my wages every month and it comes out of my budget. Mm -hmm. And I feel much more comfortable with that. Could I have spent the money straight away? Yes, I could. But it would have reduced my bank account. And yeah. that doesn't make me so happy. So some people have interest free because of that reason. Yeah, absolutely. Good point, Mike. Because my husband was like, look, let's just buy it. He doesn't like finance. I'm like, no, I'm putting it on finance. You know, you can pay it off early as well. And that's the other yeah, thing. Absolutely. But so, it's about, people are about balance now. And with uncertainty, mm, yeah, yeah, and that's what's happening. For me, when we went through, and I was in the last recession in practice, oh my God, I was banging up finance out like it was going out of fashion. <laughs> I was probably doing three or four a day. And that's no joke. You know, it was, uh, every treatment plan I seemed to do would go interest-free finance. Why was that? Because people were unsure. Mm. Yeah? And they wanted serious. to keep their money in their banks. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I don't blame you. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we need to move on to the next question. We hope we've had there. Any more questions, obviously send them through as per usual. So the next question is from a practice manager who has really enjoyed our um, recruitment blog series, well, I say our, the one that Michael did, which was fantastic, and our podcast discussions on salary bandings, is completely up for this, has uh, completely understands how it works for the nurses and has put it all together, presented it to the practice owner, who's a bit reluctant with salary banding. And the reason for that is because they've got reception staff that have been with the practice a very long time. They already pay them really well, 
So they're wondering how that is going to work because they don't want to give pay rises because they're already paid very well indeed. And also it's going to cause problems bringing new people into reception on that high hourly rate. So what's our advice? Because the practice managers really wants to, to push this forward. And I think it's a really good question because the reception staff are, are often overlooked. And actually there's a huge amount of skill um, that goes into doing reception, um, mm. just like it is dental nursing. Yeah. And particularly, you know, well, actually, I'll just take, just take a step back. I was about to say, particularly um, if you're an NHS practice, you are so busy. You really are. But also, what are you expecting your front desk to do? Are you expecting them to provide, you know, a Waitrose experience or a little experience? But I think the thing about the desk is, as I always say, you have a mad half hour every hour. It is crazy. So we are looking at always paying people well in that role because we need them to take the pressure. We need them to be able to do that job. It is a high pressure job, the front desk. Yes. And I always invite owners to go on the desk, even for a couple of hours and just see what it's like on a Monday morning because it's crazy. We've got our reception live course coming up this month and, you know, everyone's there because they want, you know, to push their experience and they want support with difficult situations, which, which we're going to help them with on the course, doing all of our lovely role plays. And I think the thing really is with your front desk team that perhaps with the front desk, you need to look at, you know, a couple of areas. One being, well, let's then look at this person might be paid £14 an hour, but part of that is because of their length of service. So you can have that in as a band. So once you've been there five years, maybe you get an extra pounds an hour. So that means you won't be recruiting new people at that same level. Yeah. I think for Mike and I, training, isn't it, Michael? Can they train others? Do they know every single system? They most likely do can they train others because that's another area as well you know can they support an induction of a new team member what can they train people on because i'd say that's another band that you can have that works really well for practices for nurses and the front desk in our experience doesn't it mike yeah definitely so <clears throat> i want to be really clear actually i think you need a base salary for receptionist before you even start mm just like the nurse's role. And you've got to decide where that's going to be in line with your business, as you quite rightly said, whether it's NHS mixed or, or very high private or what level of private is at. And for me, just to give some figures for an idea, that needs to be about between nine to 11 pounds an hour. Yeah? yeah. Once you've got that as your base salary, it's exactly the same as the nurses. You start to add things on that are appropriate to do so. So you may have, the receptionist that is a leader you know they they lead the other receptionist or they are the main point of call and if that if that is their case and they are the leader within that area like a senior nurse would be yeah or um you know a nurse coordinator yeah, yeah. then you would pay them another pound an hour for that responsibility straight away so that that gets you over that then you've got to look at other areas of responsibility so just like the nurses where you pay them maybe 25 pence an hour to 50 pence an hour for certain things you've got to look at the reception roles that you've got and you've got to go do they do any do they manage any other roles and areas on the desk where I find that they do do management on is areas such as conversion tracking so actually doing all of the conversion tracking for the practice that's a specific area that's that's an area that should be paid for as an individual. You've got other areas. So 
if sometimes you'll find the receptionists are in charge of you know the consumables budget in terms of bringing all the paper in and the printers and tp brushes and things like that so you've got the nurse that's doing all of the materials and then you've got a receptionist that's doing all the consumables and I would expect like light bulbs gift cards in that you know things that you know you go to get something and it's never there so mm. that area as well another huge area is management of membership and that can be a really big area and focusing you know on the cancellations in particular and ringing patients to understand why they have cancelled and using the verbal skills and getting those uh, together some receptionists are doing all of the <clears throat> calls to patients for clinical calls because they might have got nursing experience as well so there are different areas that can be paid for and then if the receptionist team are doing part of the cqc regulations as well so they're doing the waiting time audit they're managing the patient questionnaires you know patient experience questionnaires mm -hmm. There could be the complaints manager on the desk as well, which is a totally different area. Um, there might be the fire marshal in the practice. There's lots of different areas that they might be involved in. And those are the kind of things you've got to look at and go, do they do those extra little bits and pieces? Oh. The reception role can vary from literally doing everything to nothing. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and, that's, and that's what you've got to look at. And I think you've got other opportunities, haven't you? Is somebody cross-trained? So if you've got, an, uh, you know, somebody on the desk that actually can go in a surgery, yeah, and do the desk role fully, then that's a cross-trained role. If their role is more on reception, they only do a little bit in surgery. It doesn't matter. If they're cross-trained, they're cross-trained. Yeah. And we Another do find a lot of receptionists are there, aren't they, as ex-nurses um, that, that have travelled onto the desk. Because... As you get older, some of us don't want to be, keep running around surgery, so we like to do something else. <laughs> well, yeah, people change roles. And there's loads of people on the front desk that were nurses, that can still nurse, that are still registered, that keep their CPD up to date, but they prefer a desk role. Just a couple of other things that we used to always look at as well. You know, someone who's fully first aid trained, they tend to be people on the desk as well. That could be something. Yeah. Diary management, being responsible for the diary zoning. Uh, and hygiene coordination is what we used to call it, making sure that a hygienist diary is fully booked and that everything's slick there. And for these things, you know, you, you don't have to choose masses, you know, lots of money. You could say, well, that's 20p an hour, 25p an hour for those responsibilities. Yeah. We're responsible for it. We're not going, right, well, you know, it's a pound an hour for first aid trained, a pound an hour for membership. It can be 25p, it could be 50p. Yeah. But I think if you get that base salary right first and then start, just take one team member that's been there with you a long time and start saying, well, if we gave 25p for each of these things additionally that they can do, where does that put them? And if that puts them on the hourly rate you've got them on now, then you know that's the right base salary. If it means they're under or over, then again, you need to change the base salary. So have a play around with it. We've really got to move on because we're short on time and we need to give some tips to this um, lovely dental nurse who is looking to move to community to apply for a role in community and they want to prepare for the role. What hints and tips do you have? It was lovely to receive this question because actually, Michael, we were saying we deal with you know, tips on recruitment the other way around so this was really lovely I've worked in community um, many a time as a temp uh, dental nurse never in a permanent position always as a temp and uh, community is a really interesting place and you really have to have a, the right set of skills for this as a dental nurse so one of the things for me was um, 
as a dental nurse, I always wanted to run to time, to work with a dentist that ran to time, because then I didn't get stressed out. But here in community, it's so much about the patient, what you're presenting with, that actually, if patience is one of your, um, you know, patience and understanding is one of your key assets, that you don't get stressed out at running late as a nurse, then actually that's something that you really need to communicate across. But you also really need to find out about community and what happens if you don't know. What type of patients do they see? Where are these patients referred from? And prepare a big list of questions. I always like to think if you don't know, rather than try and blag something, prepare a list of questions. So can you tell me about the type of patients you might see? Where do they come from? Ask those questions. That's what I think is so much better. Don't you think, Mike, if you're interviewing someone, and they've got questions for you rather than trying to blag it. That's so much better, isn't it? Absolutely. I've, <clears throat> I've got some quick tips here. So my quick tips are, first of all, be yourself. That's the most important thing. Don't be somebody yeah. that you're not. You must research the business that you want to work at and you want to know why you want to work there. I think that's really important yeah not to think about the skills that you've got and how they actually apply to their business and if that's not come out in the interview questions that's where I would add it into a question at the end I just want to talk about the skills that I've got that I think you know I could bring to your business would you like to know more about those because sometimes the interview questions don't allow you to give the very best of yourself either, do they? They mm. sort of narrowed you into a corner. You go, well, actually, I've got so much more to offer. So you've got to know what your skills are. And I'd write those down before you go yeah. so that you know what you want to talk about. So you do need to confirm what you can bring specifically to their practice or to the, you know, to the community job that you're looking for. And I think this is what you said. Understand how to be on brand in that business. So you can't do that, again, if you haven't looked at things carefully and, and thought about the brand that they actually are and what you're going to do within that brand. That's really important. Then you want to definitely review your CQC knowledge because you get, you're going to get questions about that. And one that surprises me very much with experienced nurses is that they can't answer basic questions. So if you ask them about, you know, tell me about a Sharps injury, they go mute. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me why cross infection is important and tell me about cross infection. They, they can tell you the process, but they can't tell you what it does. Yeah. What it prevents. So for me, go back and just do a bit of your core knowledge as well, because you will be thrown. I would definitely throw you, you know, a few clinical questioners. Why, why is moisture control important to you? Yeah. In dental procedures and give me a few examples. Now, if you've not thought about that, you are doing it anyway, but you've got to make sure that in an interview you, you can do that and then not start going, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah, and to add in particularly for this type of role, you know, that I would say something like, you know, for uh, moisture control obviously is paramount to success of the treatment, but within community and the type of patients that we're going to be treating and caring for, I appreciate that actually at times it's much more difficult to achieve a, a great moisture control. So my role as a dental nurse is really to support that dentist with additional retraction, using a mirror myself, blah, 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 you know, things like that really turn it back to, I understand your practice, your clinic, your constraints, your difficulties. 
and how you'd link around and add that to it you know seeing children nervous patients is probably you know a lot of sedation and find out as mike said about the business and i think with community if you're from general practice and you're going into hospital or community there's a lot to find out and there's a lot to learn so you know little things like you know uh, what trust are you part of if you don't know if it doesn't say it or tell me about the trust how do you get your referrals um about us uh, do they have any targets as i understand it community uh, doesn't but again that might relate to different trusts um you know they don't have referral um targets time to treat people targets things like that just find out as much as you can and i think the last thing i'll say on this and um, because i was speaking with a group of team leaders about this uh, just last week is how nervous people get in interviews and i think if you are nervous michael as michael said be yourself but as early as possible i would get that in I'm really nervous. Let the person know who's interviewing or people that you are nervous. Get that in as early as possible because some people are very good at hiding nerves and they can come across instead as a bit reserved, a bit held back. And then they might be thinking, you can answer all the questions, but you might not be a fit for the team. And that's just because you're nervous. That's how you've come across. So if you're nervous, do let the people who are interviewing you know, because if it was Michael and I interviewing you and someone came to us and they said, I'm really, really excited to be here, but I'm also very nervous, we would be very appreciative of that and we'd naturally try and calm you down. So if I'd got someone who was nervous, you know, they look like a great candidate, they look great on paper and they tell me they're nervous, I might at that point, just to get them relaxed, get them out of the room, give them a tour just to try and get them to settle down a bit before they come back in i might try and do a bit more relationship building first of all mm. just to try and relax them so if you're nervous and you think that's going to be a problem just tell people i think that's so important i'd also agree with that i just want to reassure people that, that who go for community positions uh, specifically as the question is surrounding that that works very well as a in, in practice doesn't it mm. but actually in community what I have found and I know when I was recruited for Boots as well it's an agency it's an HR department mm. they they don't do hands-on on the floor they don't know uh, anything particularly about that field they've got a list of questions and mm. they've got possible answers and what they're looking for is they're looking for a response that's on their paper yeah they've got to match the score yeah, so actually what you've got to do as well is you, you know, I would sort of be confirming in the way, you know, does that answer the question fully enough for what you need it to be? Mm. Yeah. Um, do I need to explain anything further to see whether or not they can encourage a different answer? Because sometimes you might go over to the left when actually you should be going straight ahead and sometimes it's difficult. And so again, I think with our experience, when you come into practice, you know, I would ask a different question because I, I realise you veered off. But I know, and I've been for these interviews myself as well, especially when I work for Boots, is that actually it's an HR department. Yeah. And if you don't say what's on the paper, well, you don't know what's on the paper. So it's a bit of a, do you know what I mean? It's one of those really. Absolutely. It's a really good point, Mike. I think that's yeah, something to be aware of yeah. and also I think with environments it's also important as well because I remember a friend of mine that went for a community position and half of the role was going to be in prisons mm. so just make sure you're comfortable with the environment it's going to be in and as I, as you said you know a list of questions sometimes that might not be on the information it probably will be somewhere but if it's not again that would be a good question at the end could you just talk to me about the different environments and the different types of patients I'll be coming you know 
uh, coming across within a community and then you will find the different areas and you've got to ask yourself are you comfortable with that I've got quite a few friends that work in community and they go to prisons and they yeah. really enjoy it so do you know what I mean yeah absolutely I think yeah. it's such a varied role it is great I think yeah. what Michael's just said is is really good because as soon as you've said it Mike I thought oh yeah the conversation I've just been having very recently with people that are recruiting um, they are passed from HR to to them um, however they then do take the person who scores the highest and what we were discussing is you know that's not always the best candidate and you know how difficult that can then be for them um so yeah so this scoring thing definitely take on mike's tips if you're looking for any work in community hospital those types of areas you know they'll be really really important well and don't be scared to clarify a question mm. that's my last tip if yeah. you don't understand the question or you don't know you don't know what they're driving for then just say um can you just give me that question in a different way? What, what, what are you actually looking for here as an answer? Yeah, that's really good. Oh, we could probably go on forever, Michael, but we can't. I know, it's exciting. It was, it was a great question, wasn't it? Because it's actually going really the other side, as you've said, you know, rather than it being on the side of, we always talk about the recruiter and sometimes we never talk about the person that's coming, but actually that's equally as important, isn't it? absolutely well best of luck to this person in that role i hope you get the job i hope you score all these fantastic points you you sound like a very proactive person to be messaging us so uh, i'm sure you, you you'll do very well so that's all we've got time for this month as always please do send in your questions if you're enjoying our podcast please subscribe um, please give us a review we'd really appreciate it a five star one of course would be amazing and we'll be back for you we have a guest uh, podcast for you before we're back in november we'll have a guest one for you to listen to uh, wishing you all a fabulous october thank you very much take care bye bye thank you for listening to this podcast please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode